What's up, everybody? Michael Johnson here with the Business Choreography Podcast, and I'm excited you joined me today because we have another special guest today. You're not going to want to miss this. Today we have with us Emma Donovan. She is a seasoned entrepreneur with 15 years of experience in brand strategy and professional profiling. As a co-founder of Dapper, she excels in creating innovative products and collaborating with brilliant minds. Emma's superpower lies in injecting enthusiasm and vibrancy into into any situation. Currently, Emma's focus is on sustainable ways to approach personal brand development for entrepreneurs and leadership teams in a way that's authentic and creates space to build their brands with intention. Guys, we are so lucky to have Emma here with us today, and I am so excited to share with you her backstory, her journey, and her wisdom. So let's cue the intro and we'll jump right in. Listen, there's a lot to learn when growing and scaling your business. That's why we created the Business Choreography Podcast, where we talk about choreographing your marketing, operations, and sales into dynamic systems that increase your revenue and your impact. We'll explore solid business principles and discuss all things that make businesses dance to success with clarity. We'll help you figure out where the holes are in your business and what you can do to fix them. Think of us as your official business choreographers, aka your insider growth strategists. Remember, your choreography matters. Welcome to the Business Choreography Podcast. Emma, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you, Michael. It's great to be here. I've been looking forward to our, our chat. Absolutely. Uh, we have so many things to discuss and chat about, and I'm so excited you're here willing to share your knowledge and expertise. But we've got to start with backstory. This business journey is such a winding road that uh, I think it's important that we share this with other entrepreneurs and other businesses out there so that they know that they can keep going, right? And sometimes it feels like, oh my gosh, I must be the only one having challenges. But I think hearing these perspectives and different stories along the way really helps. So let's start from the beginning, wherever that is for you. And, <laughs> uh, and let's tell everybody about your journey. Well, it's certainly been a winding road, uh, lots of highs, lots of lows. And I think the biggest lessons have come out of the, the times that have been more challenging. So I'm yeah, completely with you on that one. I think my entrepreneurial journey definitely started as a kid when I was always looking for what can I sell, what can I build, what can I create. But it wasn't until my early 20s where I realized kind of corporate life wasn't for me and mm -hmm. started, started freelancing. And then I had an opportunity in 2010 when South Africa hosted the FIFA World Cup to run a backpackers. And it was something so different to what I had done. Uh, apart from a couple of ski seasons in Europe, but yeah, hospitality wasn't really my game, but I realized there were so many parallels between marketing and brand and the kind of hype around an event. So it was a bit of a gamble and we made a tiny profit, but we just had an absolute ball. It was such fun to be immersed in an experience that took the whole country by storm. And I think we've had a yeah similar feeling recently with the, the Rugby World Cup. But um, anyone who knows me listening will be smiling because I'm not even a big sports fanatic. It's really just about the, the energy and the culture and, and bringing people together. And that has been a theme throughout my career of how do I create real connection? How do I do things that don't shine a light on me, but rather on those around me? And it's often difficult to balance those two because you do need 
to develop your own brand in order to to support others. So it's just finding the the balance between the two. And then, yeah, the rest is kind of history. Ran a marketing agency for nearly 10 years wow. and then moved into the, the branding space and, and co-founded Dapper. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, what a, what a, uh, jump though, if you were running a marketing agency to jump into branding as well. I mean, you, you mentioned earlier that they have parallels, marketing and branding. Let's talk a little bit about those parallels for a second. Mm. Sure. So I often say brand is the foundation. It comes before marketing. And in my experience, clients want to jump straight into marketing. They think if they have a logo, they have a brand, whereas there's just so much, so much more to it. And we've taken that one step further to say your personal brand comes before your company brand. So really getting clarity on who you are, what matters and how you want to show up and then leveraging that for your company brand and your marketing efforts. So I think there's a sort of golden thread that that runs through all of them if you get it right and it evolves with you over time. So it's not a it's not a tick box for brand or marketing, but I do feel they kind of sit in slightly slightly different camps. Sure, sure. What would you say is the biggest difference between the two? Oh, good question. I think the marketing is um, sort of for me between brand and sales. So you are marketing to drive sales typically or to build brand awareness. Whereas focusing on developing a brand, like I mentioned, it's that solid foundation. It's what is the essence of who you are or what your company stands for. And I think there's so many elements to brand. So it's in terms of personal brand, it's not just what you say, but it's the energy you have when you walk into a room, um, what people say when you're not in that room and, you know, really curating and um, building your story with intention. So for me, it's, it's got to be as authentic as possible. Whereas marketing, you absolutely want it to be authentic, but you often are, have more of an agenda um, to sell. Right. What was it that led you to choose branding as opposed to marketing obviously you did marketing for 10 years and had your agency mm -hmm. years but what was it about branding that that drew you to that so it really happened when covid hit and i stripped away all the the fun and the sort of extra things around my career and my profession and when i was honest with myself it didn't bring me the joy that I felt it should. And I really believe that doing something you are passionate about and good at and can add value in is, is really important if you can. And so I started a sort of self-discovery journey of well, where do I wanna play? What, what matters most to me? And I actually looked through some of my first original LinkedIn articles in my early twenties. And I did a few around brand without labeling myself in any way as being a brand expert, I suppose no one's an expert in their 20s, but just that sense of what I was curious about, what I was learning about. And that started the, the transition. I think there were also a lot of people in my world who needed to reinvent themselves or build confidence in a new space with all the changes in the world. And I found I was able to help them do that in quite a organic way. And so I thought, well, there's a business in this. 
So it was quite a quite an organic start and then became very intentional once I kind of drilled down into what is the brand, what is the business and you know, how can we make it make it unique. Right. I feel like as you talk to businesses and business owners that branding and marketing tend to be on the outskirts. It's like, oh, I should put a little bit of a budget towards that, or I should maybe put some money into that. And and I, I feel like with marketing, that's one step closer, but I feel like branding is sort of that next level of how do you convince a business that they should spend money on branding? And then how do you show them that there's a return, an ROI on on doing that branding. I'm sure you've had to deal with this, and you you know both sides having a marketing, having done a marketing agency, and now doing branding. So how yeah. do you how do you show that ROI for branding? So my favorite way to do it is through case studies. We have got such incredible clients, and I think their stories speak for themselves. And the other thing that's really important for me is to ask the client, what does success look like? So it's not like an advertising campaign where there's a direct return on investment. You can see what you spent, you know, what that what leads that generated. So we really make it clear at the beginning. It's about building confidence, owning your story in an authentic way, getting clarity on what your story is, how you're going to share it. So I think a big part of it is the, the education piece and working with clients who want to leverage their brand. So we never want to be a grudge purchase. We are really lucky to have clients that they may be hesitant or daunted or super busy and trying to fit it in, but they typically are open to the process and we really do take them on a journey. So it's not a, it's not a quick fix. It's saying, right. what is your story and how does it evolve with you? Sure. Do you feel like, you know, you talked a little bit about the order of operations. Uh, do, do you feel like branding is an absolute has to come before marketing now, you know, having done both sides of it? I think in a new business, ideally in a scaling or established business, I don't believe you can follow a textbook or an order of doing things. I sure, think it's, sure. you know, things come up and it's, you know, allocating budget, resources, time, it, it's a complicated process. But I think the earlier you can start the brand journey, the better. It's never too late. You can always adapt and adjust it. But just building that confidence in yourself early on, and especially in a new role, I find a lot of leaders are, you know, in a, a new role or a new stage of their career. So we've got some clients who are quite... Um, quite far into their careers but they're at a junction or they you know have a new a new challenge so there's yeah there's no right time but if you can do it before marketing and I, I really don't think it's an either or I think you need both but yeah my vote would be branding first <laughs> I love that. Uh, you, you talk a bit about lasting impression and uh, I'd love to dig in a little bit more about how you go about creating a lasting impression through the branding. What what's what are some tips and hints that you can give our audience that they can start to think about that? Yeah. So a big part of that is not seeing your brand as your LinkedIn profile or your digital footprint to really view it holistically. Like I said, it's how you show up when you walk into a room, 
I've had a number of clients say, well, I, I'm not client facing, so I don't need a brand. And I always remind them, we all have a brand. We all have a story. It's just whether we choose to own it. So a great tip and quite a fun exercise is to actually Google yourself and just put your full name into Google. If you have the same name as a famous person, you may, may need to put your company name or another word in there, but see what the results are. And that is the first impression a potential employer or you know client is going to, to have of you. And then think about how would you like to choreograph or curate that list? Like how would you like to shape the results? And I think some of the ways to do that are to create thought leadership content, to be a guest on a podcast, to um, create a blog or uh, look at what images of you are out there. So those are ways to influence a first impression, but I think to loop back to your question, also create that lasting impression. If you have a consistent brand across multiple touch points, it's gonna feel a lot more authentic. And I think that will resonate with, with your audience and help create a, a lasting impression that is, yeah, so a solid foundation. And I think to last point on that is just to remember that your brand is not static. So you can't update your LinkedIn profile, feel like you've ticked the box and, and forget about it for a year. You've really got to be intentional about that consistent creation, which looks different for everyone, but it is a work in progress. Let's yeah. talk about some ways that brands and, and businesses aren't consistent across their branding. What what are some uh, mm. key indicators that would let me know as a business that, hey, my brand isn't actually operating consistent across the board? Yeah. Yeah. So I think if we start with the founder's brand or, or the leader's brand, um, an example I, I often smile at memory is... Uh, an interview with a very bright young professional who sort of ticked all the boxes coming into an interview. And just before she arrived, I had a quick look at her online profile and she was drinking out of a champagne bottle in her profile picture. And I spoke to her about it afterwards. She got the job and it didn't influence whether she was going to get it. But I just said to her, is that the brand you want to put out as your professional brand? And so I think it's tricky to be consistent, but you do, again, need to remember if someone does, you know, search for you, what are they going to find? And if you want to have, for example, a private Instagram account because you've got your kids or your family on there, absolutely do that. But if you make your profile open to the public, just like be aware of, of what is there and what impression that that leaves. And in terms of a company brand, I think inconsistencies, again, often between how the brand is portrayed visually so if there is a secondary color palette, for example, that is a great way to weave in consistency without it being repetitive. So bringing those into your social media images or your website. And another one I feel is an important one is tone. So if you have multiple people writing on behalf of your brand, it's very easy to lose that consistency. And uh, two tips and to, to get that right. One is to have a brand guide where you talk about tone and language and what is the, the voice of the brand. And a second is to have an editor or a proofreader in your team or, or an external person who really understands your brand and can make sure that consistency does, does weave through. So not an easy thing to get right, but, right. but absolutely possible. <clears throat> so... In 
the branding, I, I oftentimes feel like I hear that different people are, are honing in on one side. And so it makes it seem as though, oh, you've got to look at your logo and your, your graphics and that's your brand. And then I hear other copywriters talk about, oh, it, it is your writing. That is your brand and the way your voice comes across and, and different variants of what that is. But as I hear you talking, it's very evident that you have a, a much more holistic perspective about how all of those things come together. That must be incredibly challenging to put that together and have a team that can uh can cover all those spaces tell us a little bit about how you guys do that so we've made a kind of three three month online course and a six month in-person process well when i say in person it's it's done through zoom but it's a more collaborative approach and we've really tried to get the balance between practical exercises and more personal reflection and working on yourself and I think that's really important because you've got to put in the work to get to the authentic and consistent brand that you want. And we've got really like incredible people on our team. So we've got a wardrobe consultant. So that again, is part of your brand. It's what colors suit you, what style is aligned to the industry you're in, but also has that, that personal touch. We work with uh, life coaches and executive coaches who help people with whether it's imposter syndrome or whatever is is holding them back and then we have brilliant designers so they will put together your color palette your fonts uh, your tone all of that sort of thing so it's definitely a team effort and it's evolved obviously as our, our business has grown too but I think a big part of it is honest real conversations so we really create space for that at the beginning of a process, because if we know our clients well and can create a space where they're vulnerable, it's much easier to help them shape a brand in the right way. I love that. Earlier, you talked about thought leadership content. And I know that this is a very trendy uh, term and a trendy way of talking about it. But for a lot of businesses out there, this might be a new concept and a new idea, this idea of thought leadership content. Talk to us about what that is and what that's all about. Absolutely. So I think the simplest way to describe it is when you are an expert or experienced in a field, you can then share your knowledge with those in your community. And I feel that's a lot more accessible than giving it a sort of title like thought leadership, which does sound a little daunting. So for us, it is about coming up with themes or what we call content pillars and going, what am I an expert in or knowledgeable in that I'm also interested in? Because then you can write with heart and with passion. You can share examples if it's something that you're experienced in. And often using storytelling or examples outside of your direct business, so bringing a bit of life experience into it is a lovely way to make it more real, more relatable. And it takes so many different forms. I think people think of it often as written content, which is absolutely a great place to start. But looking at video content, podcasts, keynote talks, uh, radio interviews, LinkedIn Live conversations, uh, you know, not white papers as such, but like infographics and like there's so many different ways to to package it. But I think the idea is to focus on how am I adding value to my community rather than what am I selling? So for me, that's one of the ways to differentiate the, the content. 
So as you choreograph those strategies together for businesses, do you do you help them decide which of those platforms, you know, you were saying some speaking or written or, or short form, yeah. like, are you helping them decide what that is? Or is it more just on the side of, of the look and tone and feel of it? No, it is both. So we like to get the foundation right first and then look at where are we, where are we telling your story? And our clients often shy away from video content or anything that's live to begin with. And as they build confidence, then they're more, they're more open to exploring it. So for example, one of our clients has done a series of short video clips, which we release for him once a month. So he just has one morning of filming and we had content topics. We encouraged him not to script it, but to rather have themes and talking points and then just, just have a, you know, a more relaxed kind of style of, of conversation. So it That's does cool. take time to build that confidence, but sure, sure. It's worth it. Well, and and with uh, such a nice network of being able to help them with the mindset, that's a that's a really great element to it because I I do hear that a lot. A lot of people are afraid of of being in the limelight. They they want to, but they're afraid to do it. And uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's been a long time since I remember that. I mean, I, I must have been a little kid when when I first got on stage and had to perform in front of thousands of people, and uh, and it was daunting. But I do recognize and empathize with people's fear of speaking. I, I, I heard once that speaking is the second fear only to death. <laughs> and wow. so a lot of people have a hard time getting, getting in front of camera and, and doing this type of thing. How do you see that coming into play with their branding? I mean, do you feel like their messaging uh, is related to their fear and their mindset in the beginning and then it changes? Absolutely. I was so surprised at the beginning with all these brilliant leaders we had the opportunity to work with, having imposter syndrome, being afraid to put their brand out there. I think often it's linked to um, a fear of coming across as arrogant or unrelatable. So it's really about how do you have confidence without it being arrogant? And how do you work through the fear and turn it into a growth mindset or see the opportunity in front of you? So that I think is really powerful when clients have that kind of breakthrough and do something they're afraid of. I think we shy away from it most of the time, but just get that like rush of adrenaline and feeling proud of yourself when you actually step out of your comfort zone. So yeah. again, small steps to get there. <laughs> and some people are born to be in the limelight and be on stage. And that's also great when we have those clients because you're just elevating something that is naturally there. Sure. Which is a great feeling. Yeah. That's great. So what do you feel like are the long-term benefits that people that aren't doing branding are missing out on? So I always say, and I think I mentioned it earlier, your brand is the one thing you're going to have forever. So you are a brand, you have a brand, it's going to, to evolve with you. So I think if you're not investing it and intentional about it down the line you may um you may regret that in terms of not having a solid foundation for your next step and i feel with the way the world is today you are likely to have multiple careers multiple chapters curveballs and bends in the road and just being confident in who you are and what matters to you and how you put yourself out there just 
I feel stands you in good stead for whatever comes next. So it really is about one of those things you do in the background, like getting enough sleep and eating well and getting some exercise in. I think it's just one of those things for me that that if you chip away at, you will you will reap the benefits at many different stages in life. Well, I'd be uh, negligent not to ask you a question about choreography. So what do you feel like is the greatest value in choreographing their branding? Because I can hear it in, in all of our conversation. You're really, you've really choreographed this branding experience for the companies that are coming in and working with you. What do you feel like is the biggest difference if they don't choreograph their branding, if they are not putting it together with a holistic view of that? Can you tell us a little bit more about mm -hmm. your thoughts in that regard? Yeah, I think the word that popped into my mind is polished. So when you look at a brand from multiple avenues or aspects, I do think it just has a more polished, put together look. But I think there's a risk of over curating. Right. And so it's finding that middle ground because you want to be authentic. You want to be comfortable in your skin. So it's being intentional, absolutely choreographing the story, but doing it with ease and with a bit of fun. Right. So that would that. be, yeah, that if you can have, we always talk about connection with ease. And I think that really right. does apply to how you build a brand. Right. Yeah, that makes a big difference. Well, for those listeners out there right now that are thinking, gosh, you're right. You know what? I've, I know I've need to, needed to do this and you're pushing me right over the edge and they're thinking, I, I, okay, let me do something. So how can they get in touch with you and what's it look like to work with you? So they're very welcome to reach out to me directly on LinkedIn. It's Emma Donovan hyphen Dapper. And our website is becomedapper.com. So those are both great ways to, to connect. And I think I mentioned we've got an online course, which is a great way if you want to build your own brand. So that's a three-month course called Brand Yourself, which we're really excited about because it just makes our product more accessible and sure. just a great way to, to give it a go in your own time. There's no pressure. And then we have the, the Dapper 9 process, which is a great way to really just go the whole nine yards, get stuck in and build a brand that you are proud to share with the world. I love that. Well, that's great. And I feel like it's it's such an important part of business. And I know that for a lot of people, it's overlooked and not paid as much attention to. And so I think it's important that... Uh, that people do. They pay attention. So if you guys are out there listening and you're thinking, gosh, I, you know, I've needed to do this. Maybe this is the thing that'll push you over the edge and you can get started and do that. Uh, before we head out today, can you leave us with some sage words of wisdom? I've got just one line for you and okay. it's that your story is already out there. So now is the time to own it. I love it. I love it. That's beautiful. All right, guys. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here today, Emma. And as usual, everybody listening, you got to keep choreographing your business, all parts of your business, not just one piece. I know it's easy to get, you know, the blinders on and think about one area, but you got to choreograph all the pieces and parts of your business, make them all come together in one great dance. So until next time, keep choreographing your businesses. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Thank you so much, Emma. And we'll see you guys next time. Take care. Thanks for joining us today. 
Want more business choreography? Check out our website at bizchoreo.com to find out more. And find out how the choreography for your marketing operations and sales can raise your revenue and create more impact. Remember, every business needs choreography. 